Available on all podcast platforms. This is the Psychology Cast, the podcast that interviews unique individuals on why they do what they do. Hi, welcome back to Psychology Cast. Today I'm joined on this podcast with Lucinia. I think I pronounced that correctly. Um, yeah, thank you. She, yeah, um, what's the word? Uh, um, I'm going to ask you a few questions about that, actually. Um, about your name, hey, where you got your name from. Um, mm-hmm. been fascinated by names and sometimes you ask guests, um, you know, because I, I share my story about where I got my name from. Um, but yeah, she is a clinic associate in Psych and co-founder of SnapBAM. Now, first of all, Glencia, welcome and thank you for so much for being a guest. Thank you for inviting me. Have I pronounced... Have I pronounced your name correctly? Yes, Glicinia. <laughs> yeah. Do you know the meaning of your name by any chance? So my, well, it's the name of a flower, actually. So it's Wisteria in English. It's a purple flower. Um, apparently there's loads of it, like in Japan. Um, and when my dad went to study in Portugal, actually, he met this lady and she was really kind to, to him. And her name is Glicinia, actually. So I'm named after her. Yeah, so that's the story. <laughs> yeah, because I think names are fascinating because that's where we get our identity from. It's the first kind of like labeling, I suppose, of who we are. I suppose we come through gender. Is it boy and girl? And, you know, that's the first thing we, we, we can recognize ourselves with. Babies obviously are not consciously aware, but consciously aware are our names. Mm-hmm. And so the first thing that we say, you know, the names to the baby, like, oh, and then because the, the baby responds isn't mm-hmm. it and then yeah. it and that connection where that's why they named that child comes from another story it comes from another interaction and so it just shows you like the interaction is going being embedded in um mm. to the name and i just thought like um yeah where i got my name from it's um fascinating story and it's about i suppose identity to who we are and it's the first and it's the first thing that we um own i suppose is our name i know we have mm-hmm. parents and stuff but the name is something personal yeah. to us. Um, yeah, interesting, isn't it? And I think it's more interesting when you think about how heavy it is and just how much it means to you and your family, and then you get sort of <laughs> butchered <laughs> at work in different places. If that's the first thing that people know about you and they seem to invalidate some of that, then that can definitely affect future interactions, I guess. Um, but yeah, mm-hmm. Yeah, well, I was going to say, like, in Asian culture, right, there's actually quite a, like, a, a, you know, almost like a war breaks out about naming of the child, because if you don't really? take me, yeah, it's, um, you know, because it's been decided by another person, another person, who your first child should mm. be, your second child should be, this is the name, we've decided on this, and then the parents, mom and dad, have to consult kind of elder generations, um, because mm. it's, a, it's, a, it's a social cultural practice, where it's more of a cultural practice. I think it's not dying down now, but still you know, um, very much um, present. So um, the name is actually given by grandparents, for example, um, and therefore the parents don't have really much choice and that tradition kind mm. of feeds on in Asian culture. I don't know how it is in, you know, where you're from. Yes, yeah, so I'm from Guinea-Bissau. Well, yeah, my parents uh, named me, my dad seemed to be <laughs> very influ- influential, influential, sorry, uh, on our names actually. Um, so there's not a tradition that I am aware of, um, mm-hmm. but yeah, they can be quite heavy. Like you said, they're like sort of tied to more personal meanings. So I think that's why it's so important to get people's names correct. And I do like when people ask me, like the way you checked, I find that quite respectful. Um, yeah, it's interesting, isn't it? How it ties to identity, how it shapes our environments, how we navigate the world things like that yeah i like your explanation about the meaning i think that's absolutely true um yes i think there's something special around that um especially as human beings in, in psychology and studying psychology um i think we bring that aspect to us about who we are we bring our own traditions and our own customs to the game if you like um so you are a clinical associate psych right can you explain what that means just for for, for the audience Sure. So I usually summarize it as a junior psychologist. So the role was created because there was a big gap. Um, there's a, well, 
the NHS needs more psychological staff and they sort of needed someone between assistant and qualified. So that's where we come in. Um, so I just sort of finished my master's, it's a master's apprenticeship. Um, and we spent pretty much a year uh, doing half our work in the NHS, sort of meeting with clients, meeting with the team, doing assessments, formulations, interventions, running groups. And then we spent two days of the week sort of at uni, having lectures, interacting with each other, learning from each other, reflecting things like that. Um, so yeah, I'm coming to the end of my training uh, and now I'll be working full time within, yeah, the NHS, uh, yeah. Is that new, like that clinical yeah. social psych? Because I know they were talking about it, but is that, how new is it? It's pretty new. So we are the fourth, oh God, I hope I say it right, because I've heard this so many times. Yeah. I'm pretty sure we're like the fourth cohort um, in the country. Um, and it started in Cornwall actually, um, and they sort of did it internally first, so with stuff they already sort of had within the trust, and then they sort of expanded, and now the, this, the CAPS, that's what we called, are sort of popping up everywhere really, um, which is quite interesting to see. Um, but yeah, we were sort of the first um, master's apprenticeship, so there's a lot of admin that comes with that. <laughs> there's a lot of paperwork, I must admit. Uh, it's been interesting. I think this is the, my first sort of psychological role, um, so I have a background of sort of research and sort of, I guess, more admin stuff. So to try to learn like CBT and DBT and, you know, all these different modalities is quite, it was challenging, but really interesting. And I think it allowed me for a lot of self-reflection because I think that's why I'm here in psychology. I like to learn and I like to reflect, I guess. So yes, yeah, a new, sorry, <laughs> I went the wrong way, but yeah, um, it's a new role um, popping up everywhere. Um, yeah, and I think anything new comes with challenges, I guess, and adaptation. Yeah, because I think that's really useful for our listeners, like just to hear about this route and this option, and you know, that's uh, how the discipline, like it's not fixed. Things will develop in the future, and you know, like this is a new thing, and and that's a normal part of the process, I suppose, in in you know, in modern interventions and it's particularly psychological interventions. Mm -hmm. Yeah, definitely. Actually, I forgot to mention, so they do have CAPS in Scotland, but they are like C-A-A-P. Um, it's sort of different. Uh, I'm not 100% about what the difference is, but I know that it doesn't sort of translate to England, if that makes sense. So it's sort of newish, yeah, in England. Uh, but yeah, I think there's definitely a lot of roles that I haven't even heard before, um, like T-A-A-P, T-A-A-P. That's a new role as well, associate psychologist, but I think it's sort of different. And I think it might be embedded in uh, GP practices and things like that. So I think there's a lot of roles actually uh, popping up and it's just, if anything, it's hard to keep up <laughs> with what's coming up um, and how it will shape psychological force, I guess. But I think it's good for, as an undergrad, I didn't know what to do. So mm -hmm. I feel like, you know, at least there's a lot of options to choose from and there's different things they can tap into. Um, yeah. Yeah, I do like that. I think you're right. I think absolutely. Like, you know, as an undergrad, you're thinking, what do we, what, you know, what do you do next? Yeah. And what's the next step? So you want something that's recognizable because, mm -hmm. you know, you spent a lot of money on your degree and then you're looking for your next step. And if people who don't want to do masters and they want to do something else or after master, they want mm -hmm. to do the next job, they need something recognizable. And I think it's good that mm -hmm. they're recognizing it in some degree. And it, kind of like um just tells people like hey you know you try it and it's not for you and that's fine like mm. you know uh, psychology is a broad topic it's diverse just like the population just like we are yeah yeah absolutely and I think the only thing that I would be sort of I do like the amount of roles that there are like sort of new ones but the only thing is career progression and even finding new jobs after your training so for example as a cap I'm lucky enough to have sort of a permanent contract However, for example, if I was if I wanted to move elsewhere, it'd be harder because it's a new role. So that's the only thing with also, I guess, other roles. I guess, you know, if you go to a role that is quite new, ask about career progression, ask about your options uh, and payment, because I think that's really important. <laughs> and that's honestly the main reason why I'm doing this. I'd love to do a master's, but I knew as a graduate, I couldn't afford to do that. You know, I can't just study, I need to work. So like programs like this, I guess, sort of master's job. Um, they're quite good if you want some sort of financial stability because I think a lot of us are looking for that 
in psychology. Unfortunately, so it's not granted. <laughs> yeah, after undergrad. Yeah, I think professional development is important, even in the workplace. They to do it at a level where you know you're already stimulated, and then okay, further stimulation education. We got undergrad, got masters. Any um, body, any any employment should always move towards that sort of model because mm. the more you get your, the more you. Um, get your staff to really think creatively and think with critical thinking, for example, you're mm -hmm. able to get the results. Um, like I know the difference because I did like the master page and I know the, thing, the, the, the amount of contribution I was able to make because it pushes you. And I think education should be part of work. Like, mm -hmm. um, because, you know, we, as we know, things change and we need to be informed. We need to mm -hmm. be updated. We need to be reinforcing. Um, you know, there should be a space for it, a genuine space rather than some sort of, you know, an exercise or an ad hoc or tick box exercise. It should yeah, be embedded in our professional practice. Definitely. I think from what I see, I don't actually, maybe because there's not a lot of psychological staff, I don't, I'm not sure if we, have, we actually have time for that. And that's really unfortunate, actually, because mm. um, I think something I'll miss now that I'm qualified is actually having the time to like sort of you know read the bond stuff that might be relevant for my clients and stuff you know yeah. it's it's a shame because how can you develop as a practitioner if you don't keep up with what's happening or even learn things that weren't taught to you because obviously you know the cap program was a year and there's so much I don't know I started reading about you know African psychology liberation theories things like that and I'm like I've never learned about this, so <clears throat> I'd love to have the space to to do that, you know, and we just don't have that, you know, beyond the basic just psychology that we are taught all the interventions. I'd love to learn beyond what might be helpful because what we do deliver is not perfect or sometimes it needs to be adapted to people's identities and things like that. So, I yeah, I think practitioners definitely need the space to reflect, learn and read. There is a space, for, I mean, there is a, a, an appetite for it, um, what you mentioned, absolutely, in, about learning um, the, the, on the all-rounded worldview on human thinking, human behaviour, so we don't become Eurocentric. We basically yeah. look at, actually, what are the explanations, how we see the human being, because human being is a, a studying psychologist, psychologist is a science, and science is neutral. Mm. Um, you know, there is no sort of like one-dimensional approach to it, isn't it? Science, science is science, right? Um, be like the vaccination, isn't it? We don't care about, you know, mm. you know, where, where's it come from, kind of thing. We care about does it work, and you know, how does it work, and does it help people? Um, and we should work together. Um, and so I think, um, yeah, I think basically, like the other question I wanted to ask you was around uh, on that topic around your background. So you are the co-founder of Snap Bam. Um, what does what what Snap Bam for our listeners? Yeah, so I'm doing it with Mary Emirachi Nuaneri. And um, yeah, SNAPBAM is an online community for aspiring clinical psychologists from ethnic minorities. Um, so it was founded in June 2020, and that's when yeah, BLM sort of was going on, and there's a lot of awareness. And me and Mary were thinking of ways that we can support aspiring psychologists because we know that, I mean, psychology is not always the kindest. <laughs> So we wanted a safe space for people from different ethnicities to sort of come together and learn from each other and sort of encourage each other on the journey because it's quite hard. Uh, it's quite inaccessible for people that look different, really. Um, so yeah, we run webinars, uh, reflective events, study groups, um, and we collaborate with universities, trainees, aspiring psychologists, so anyone is welcome to sort of tap into the community. Uh, run meetings, run reflective groups. Um, it's for everyone and even people who are not qualified because I think there's a lot of value and experience that people have um, that they could share really. Um, so it's for everyone that is from ethnic minority and that feels that needs a safe space to talk about their experiences. And I think what I like about our community is that racism is not like a taboo topic. You just say it out loud, no one's surprised, no one, you know, everyone understands and is shared. Yeah. yeah, sentiment, you know, things like that, you know, discrimination, microaggressions, and it's not even like we have to like, this is a definition. <laughs> it's just, we sort of know, because that's a lived experience. Um, so yeah, it's a safe space. We hope, yeah, that's our aim. We want it to be a safe space. We want it to be, to build a community really. 
um, so that everyone can know each other. Because I think a lot of the people that are in the group were sort of like all over the place, you know, in one place. And some people live in maybe more less diverse areas and they don't know anyone that has a similar experience to them. So our hope is to bring people together, help them make connections with each other and yeah, just help each other really along the way. Yeah, I thought I thought it was fascinating. I, I, uh, most of what I went, I, I was invited to be a um, speaker at one event. So thank you very much. It was, I found it. I found it quite um, an educational safe space. You know, mm-hmm. um, very informative, and it was just interesting to hear the other people's perspective, the other speakers too, and also hearing questions from the audience about, um, like about they were really optimistic about um, you know very positive about their direction and they felt really um, pleased that they were able to connect um, mm. with like-minded people, similar backgrounds. So I think it was very good, like, you know, and the fact that you do, I believe you're doing this in your, this is done in voluntary space. Yes, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, we just needed it, I guess. And when you need something, I think, I don't know, um, it's activism, isn't it? You do a lot of it because you need to have a job and yes. you also have a passion and unfortunately passion sometimes is not always sustainable therefore you need something on the side and I'm just lucky that some of what I do for work overlaps with some of my passions I guess and yeah activism so I think some of the things I do at work anyway and I learn are quite relevant and then they help me um, I have resources to help people who are in the group anyway so I think it's sort of coming along together um, but yeah we do spare time but we we love it I guess you know here's a personal question yeah. No, thank you. Here's a personal question. So why do you volunteer? Mm-hmm. Like, why do you volunteer? Like, is it because something like you always felt that you want to give back? Is it something that's you've always done? I'm always interested because I, 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 I've done some volunteering, still do. I'm interested in what motivates us to volunteer. That's very interesting. Uh, mm-hmm. It's an interesting question. I don't know. I just do it. <laughs> I'm just passionate. <laughs> yeah. And when you're passionate, it just comes. It doesn't feel like I don't even call it volunteering. I just, it's just not bum. It's what I do on my spare time. It's, I don't know. I think I've had experiences in my career where I was like, you know, I really, I know that I would benefit from a safe space and I just do it. It's like planning an event with like, your friends or something. That's how, what it feels like. It doesn't sort of feel like a chore. It's just not bum. I don't even see it as volunteering because I guess I'm just sort of passionate. Then I come across so many people like you um, and other professionals that, you know, for example, before meet like before events, we actually, you know, speak to our panelists and stuff. And it's just such a relaxed conversation. And I get to know more about the field and even their personal lives. And I think that's so interesting because we talk about Netflix. We don't just we don't just talk about psychology. And it's so interesting to get to know, yeah, people and just life outside psychology. And then sometimes yeah, we talk about sort of more um, you know, relevant sort of stuff and psychology and racism or whatever. But I just, it's just snap. Um, that's how I see it. Um, yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, I think, um, you know, yeah, that I, I think that's really fascinating what you said about, you know, learning um, how to, it's not just about the job, but I think also kind of like touched upon the fact that you're doing all these skills mm-hmm. um, and the skills require you're practicing these skills and it's a good way of getting experience. Mm-hmm. Um, and you're more importantly doing something you feel passionate about. I think that's an important part of volunteering. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Um, yeah, that's why I don't see it as volunteering. It sounds mm. I have volunteered in the past, but I don't think anything has I've not been dispassionate, I guess, because it's a lived experience. Maybe that's where it comes from. Like I know what it feels like to feel different, to not have the space to talk about certain things. Um, therefore. It's just nice to be able to organize spaces and just opportunities for people to get some of what I didn't have, if that makes sense, back in the days. And now I feel like I do have more of a safe space. This is now going back to, you know, March when you're younger. Um, Mm -hmm. um, So it's about the route into psychology. Um, Like what motivated you to do it? When was the first time you thought about studying psychology as a discipline? Just to give you some context and some listeners, I know I've shared this in other podcasts, but for me, it was about my family and my mental health. I had to look for answers because things weren't working. So um, I went and studied this area to find out so I can help them. Mm. Um, that was my routine or that was my, you know, um, 
the rationale mm. to study, if you like, um, or inspiration, I should say, not rational, rational mm. sounds scientific, but I'm, I'm interested in other people's journey. Because I thought in lessons, right, in lectures, when I sit in there, I go, everybody else must have the same experience. Why are they here? Why are they studying psychology? Mm. But I noticed that there's different reasons why people do it. And I'm just interested in, um, when was the first time, do you think, that you thought psychology would be a subject you'd start at university level was it in sixth form or college or high school um when was the first time do you think i had a cousin um, and he studied psychology now this was in portugal so maybe he studied in i don't know secondary school going into uni or sort of later stages of that yeah secondary school and I remember we had conversations. Now, I don't exactly remember <laughs> the conversations, but then it got me thinking. And I think also having people in the field makes you think, oh, you know, if he's done it, maybe this is something that I could do as well. Um, because I know there's a lot of people that have been pushed like medicine, but then they chose psychology, and, you know, depending on family expectations. Uh, but I've been quite lucky in that, yeah, I have, yeah, my cousin was into psychology. So he taught me a little bit of that. Um, yeah, about the discipline. And also my dad, um, so he went to Portugal to study psychology, uh, which I didn't know until like recently, to be honest. Um, so maybe I, I inherently had that, <laughs> you know? Um, I was, but I think uh, I've always been, go on, yeah. No, no, I think I, I, just before I forget the question, how was that, yeah, so how was it for you when you found out your dad studied psychology? Because I think that's very fascinating. That's so validating. <laughs> Um, I, I don't, he must have mentioned it ages ago, but it's just, you know, I, I don't remember. Um, but I do remember him always sort of being excited. And when I told him I was with his master's, like, oh, you know, well done and stuff. And he's always asking. Um, and I think my dad is always like, he likes to observe and he's curious about people. And I think I have some of that as well in me. Um, so it was quite validating to know that I'm doing something that he wanted to do, but he just couldn't because of, you know, money really. Um, so it's nice that I'm able to pursue something he couldn't. It just feels really nice. And the fact that I wasn't aware of that, but he's still sort of in my destiny seems, it's just nice, I yeah, guess. I so I that's great. That's why, yeah, yeah. So it wasn't <laughs> a conscious decision. It was just meant to be, I guess, you know? And I think especially being, you know, my my parents are immigrants, right? So to be able to follow something, they probably wouldn't just, you know, because I'm more privileged. It just seems the right thing to do, even if innately, I guess. Um, yeah, same here. You know, parents come, come um, migrated here. Um, so will be the first generation, I suppose, just much like yourself. And, you know, I think it's about trying to maximize and you know the opportunity that they never had or they gave us to have isn't it you do feel like like i'm going to do my best because you know they, they, they struggled and they they made the ultimate sacrifice they've forgotten a whole language if you like they've forgotten a whole tradition and and to adapt and put up with all of the discrimination that mm. happened and move and so that we can have a better life um um that's interesting so um you yeah, so I didn't mean to cut you off earlier. You were saying about your cousin, psychology. Yeah. Um, so did you start then inquiring about doing it at university? Yeah, so I remember doing my A-levels. Oh, so I came from Portugal and I came sort of in the middle of my secondary education. So I sort of had to do my GCSEs and stuff. Uh, but I do remember always being sort of to. I knew I wanted to do psychology at university, but I didn't know how to do that because it's a bit long, but when you get here, <laughs> you can't just do science if you don't have any sort of previous qualifications in this country. So then I had, I guess I, I went to college and I did my GCCs in sociology, psychology, and yeah, biology, I think. Um, no, that was after. So, I think English actually, yeah, because I was looking at what the universities required. So that was just uh, sociology, psychology, and English. Um, 
And then luckily my psychology teacher, like she was amazing. I wish, honestly, I tried to contact her <laughs> just to tell her I'm doing okay. Um, but she was the head of A-levels or something. So even though I didn't have qualifications to do science, which was required to do psychology, she allowed me to sort of jump some hoops, I guess, because she knew um, I was a good student. So I think, you know, just the whole experience of psychology and learning about different things um, made me think, okay, I can do okay in this, you know, um, I can memorize <laughs> studies <laughs> in enough detail <laughs> to be okay, uh, which then pushed me to do A-level and I did okay in that. And that's actually between sociology and psychology. And I still love both, I think. If I ever go to do a second degree, it'll probably be sociology. And I think I use, I don't know, I think a lot about sociology when I'm doing psychology as well anyway. Um, so yeah, I had, I had a good experience when I did the yeah, GCSEs and A-levels. Um, Have you managed to get hold of it yet? Probably not. <laughs> the teacher. Oh, no. Oh, no. Because basically, I had a good grade in A-level, the first year of A-level, and then I got a D <laughs> on my second year, which I, no one was expecting and I wasn't expecting. But then she contacted me to find out whether I got in regardless, because yeah and I was quite lucky and I did get in uh, but yeah I'd love to um, email her because I feel mm -hmm. like she actually played a big role in why I'm doing psychology today and she was really encouraging and you know I think she sort of saw you know it wasn't my fault I didn't have GCC science and they could have really prevented but she did her best yeah. to make sure I got there and she checked on me so I'd love to be able to just tell her I'm doing okay she might have you might have been listening. You never know. Imagine. I hope so. If I find, I'm like, please listen to this podcast. I spoke about you. Yeah. yeah. And she doesn't know. I think teachers don't know the impact they can have. You know. Um, but yeah, no, she's she's yeah, she's amazing. Um, yeah, and then I went on to do my undergrad in Manchester. Um, what was it like first day at university? Then, when you're studying, like, was it? Ooh. Yeah. <laughs> I don't oh do I I think yeah I remember we had the induction and obviously you start looking around to see if there's many people like you there wasn't many <laughs> there's like three of us black people and the rest were sort of like white and stuff and I think I found my degree more enjoyable towards the end because I feel like maybe yeah we started sort of talking about mental health and things like that CBT I remember actually uh, some interventions and I was thinking oh this is something that I could you know probably do um yeah, I remember this very specific lecture. I think it's literally the only thing I can might remember from undergrad. Um, but it was about um, deafness and mental health um, and how pretty much services need to adapt to different, yeah, disabilities, identities, things like that. Um, and I do remember it because the lecturer, he walked in. So we knew the topic of the lecture, but, you know, most people don't really look, <laughs> you know, or look at the results. As you do, yeah. <laughs> Sorry. Sorry, Jalel. <laughs> That's all right. Yeah. Um, yeah. So he just walked in, you know, doing sign language and no one knew he was doing. So that was sort of unexpected. And then oh, he wow. sort of told, told us, you know, it, yeah, exactly. Right. That was really impactful. And that's why I remember it. And he was basically, you know, he was sort of telling us he was down and, you know, if this was in a clinical situation, we wouldn't be able to maybe intervene in time. And that was quite powerful. And I think it's just, it got me curious about just difference in mental health and how we care for people really when they're in distress. But I definitely, that's one of the best lectures I've ever had. Um, yeah, that was, yeah, I found it more interesting towards the end of my degree maybe because I was already looking into going into clinical, I guess. Because that must have been like, um, I think when you first, when we first make that transition into higher education, it's a big step, you know, intellectually, but also um, socially too, because we're coming out of one social, you know, mm -hmm. um, environment and going to a completely different yeah. social environment. Um, and how, after like how long did you feel like you know what this is this is the right degree for me or this is hmm, this is yeah this is this is exactly what I needed or what I wanted was it like in the first year second year third year or perhaps um, even after you know you realize um 
very interesting question. I don't know. I feel like I spent a lot of second year trying my best to get a first. <laughs> and that stressed me out. And I was like, mm-hmm. you know, maybe I can't be stressed. You know, if this is something I like and, you know, is this supposed to be my future? Am I going to be stressed all the time? And then third year, sort of relaxed. And maybe that's why I enjoyed my career, uh, my degree more, actually. Um, I think I always knew um, it was mm-hmm. psychology. Um, but I think because the career path is sort of confusing, I had many moments where I was doubting myself. Um, you know, is this for me? Will I actually make it? <laughs> Graduating, I yeah. feel like I had a whole identity crisis. <laughs> I think that was when it hit me the most. I'm like, is this even for me? You know, trying to look for jobs. I don't even know what to write on my CV. Do I have enough experience? Um, do I even know people who made it? Do people look like me? You know, um, do I have to move? Do I, I need money? <laughs> it was just, I was considering all sorts when I graduated, just because it's such a hard path. Um, it's confusing, it's difficult, inaccessible. Um, and then eventually um, I found a job, but it took me, um, I'd say I'm in sort of a change of mentality, like it's okay if I don't get it, I can actually enjoy the process rather than let me, let me you know, let me be in the library every day applying for jobs and things like that. I'm like, you know, actually, let me take some holidays, let me travel, you know, let me allocate some time to explore the world and have some fun. And that's when I found a job. So I was like, oh, okay. <laughs> now that I'm having fun, I found a job. Um, but I think sometimes, because oh, psychology is so competitive, sometimes you really have to know what you like to do, have hobbies, have people, have a support network. Um, yeah, it's difficult. So I think I knew, I think I knew psychology was for me when I was able to have fun. I don't know if that makes sense. Mm. No, it does. Um... Sort of think of myself outside the role. Because then when I'm actually, I guess is how they say you can't pour from an empty cup so pouring into myself didn't allow me to pour my pour what I had left I guess into psychology I think that would be useful for like you know students who might be listening into this or people who want to know where where they are on their journey how do they motivate themselves mm. I think that would be that would have been really useful um, mm. to say this is normal it's a natural process to have these thoughts have these feelings mm. to have these anxieties these doubts um, because we're not supposed to, we're not supposed to know. There is no mm. final destination, isn't it? It's just like you said, you just have to see and see if that's the right thing for you. Mm-hmm. It's about being open, I think, and just trying different things. And there will be times where, like, actually, psychology is not for me. And that's okay too. Just because you did mm-hmm. a degree doesn't mean you have to sort of follow it, uh, especially when it's so uncertain at times, you know, um, or when you have other priorities or when you have to take care of your family, you know. Um, life just happens um, and you can always go back to it I guess you know there's just there's options and I think that's what I want people to know there's options I was considering yeah just <laughs> research because that's my previous experience so I was like okay I do have these skills can I apply it somewhere else does it have to be psychology you know are there other things that I'm interested in that could benefit from that um, so I was considering all sorts um, and volunteering as well that can be quite um interesting but also even being someone outside psychology it's a great don't know icebreaker when you go for an interview for example you know I think that's why it's so important to be as someone outside psychology um and I think after a while anyway you develop a attitude I think it teaches you to be just you know like who cares (laughs) I'll try but if I don't get it it's okay it's not the end of the world and I think that can be the attitude can be quite useful anyway for different aspects of your life you know, so that's how I see it. How was how was the feeling like when you graduated with the degree in psychology? Like, what was what was your feeling like in in terms of graduation that day? Did you feel release? Did you feel uncertainty? Some people do. Um, you know, when you were sitting there in the um, mm, um, my last you, exam. Oh uh, no! Um, when you're in or, the graduation hall. Oh yeah, so I had my family there. Um, yeah. What was I? thinking <laughs> it was it was nice I had my family there and it's just it's a feeling of you know you guys came to the country you know m- well my parents went like to Portugal from Guinea-Bissau to Portugal to Portugal to England so that's like that's a lot of changes for them so 
it's nice to have them there and be like you know you guys have traveled a lot different experience but you know what it was worth it because now you can say your daughter graduated you know in a different country she speaks a different language it was worth all your sacrifice was worth it so it's really nice to be able to have them there really and be like you know you might not quite know all of the things I do but <laughs> look you can take pictures to it on Facebook whatever you know uh, yeah. you can be proud of me um, and it's nice because you know sometimes yeah you sort of I hear my mom talking anyway yeah my daughter has this and that and it's just it's nice to be able to say and show other people I guess um, that all the sacrifices they've made have been worth it you know yeah, and I like what you said about, you know, let you, they can be part of me. That's just a powerful statement. Um, because, yeah, they ultimately make so many things that they would have done when they were younger at that age. But obviously opportunity and discrimination, you know, mm-hmm. something that we at the minorities face. Um, and that's why we're in this space to address some of these issues and try to pave the way um, and work with our allies and our colleagues. Mm. Mm-hmm. um so we have so we all can reach our full potential isn't it mm-hmm. um and you know say it's even with, even with my mom she, you know she, she obviously because of her condition she doesn't really know what i do um mm. and so but in 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 a way i accept because of the sacrifices that she made mm-hmm. when she was when, when she was younger and that had an impact on her on her mental health yeah. Um, so it might, she might not be there physically, but I know the spirit and the the, yeah. you know, the energy is there with us when we graduate, when we take in the last exam, <laughs> when we're walking, they're all of them with us. Um, so sometimes, yeah, it's, it's 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 share what we can, isn't it? That's all you can do. Yeah, absolutely. She knows a bit of what I do, uh, but then again, I it's not like I know fully what she does. I I think it's just we all have different priorities and things like that. Yeah. <laughs> we allocate brain space to certain things just because it's priority so when she was you know worried about having food in the house then obviously I'm there studying and what a privilege it is to just be able to study without any worries when your parents um are trying to literally give you that just the basics you know security food things like that um so yeah I think even you know I guess being in psychology I feel like so privileged that I didn't have to choose another career or that I had space to explore or different career paths because I know a lot of people can't do that um I was okay my mom I mean my mom was working things like that so I had I had the privilege to wait until I found something that was actually in psychology uh, to an extent um I did work part-time and stuff but I think I had a lot of flexibility and yeah there's a lot of privilege I think that comes with waiting for a job in psychology and that's why I don't blame when people go on to do other stuff because not everyone can afford to wait. It's just ridiculous at times, you know. So I know we talked about it earlier and, and you know, before with the podcast talking about um I thought we might want to share this in this area about values. Mm-hmm. Because you know, we talked about identity, we talked about family, our journey, what motivates us, and all this binding. And there's a common ground here, common similarities, if you like. And I wanted to talk more about particular values and principles and kind of morals. Like, what do you what do you think? Like, in the discipline, what do you think that the what pulls you in? Like, for me, it would be, you know, compassion is one of them. You know, it's a very important thing. Um, you know, acceptance, um, resilience. These are very important before human survival. So, how important do you think our values are? in the disciplines i know psychologists interested in the scientific study but this thing around well well what is it that we're trying to do and what what is it that's grounding it you know mm. i know it's ethics but uh yeah what is it what do you think that the values for you are important or would you say that stands out for you i think for me at the moment is social um equality mm. yeah um, okay yeah. I think I've always sort of felt different. I notice when people are different. So I'm like, I think I've been initially curious about it. And that's why I'm like, oh, you know, why do people do that? And now I'm thinking like, you know, every time, even like, I don't know, just like <laughs> Netflix series or whatever, and this, this person did this horrible, awful thing or whatever. And I'm like, okay, but what was their childhood like? <laughs> I want to know what experiences 
um, got you to having to protect yourself, for example, like that, you know? Uh, so I think for me initially it was curiosity about people. I love people watching. Oh my God. <laughs> I love people watching. And I just, I'm just curious about people's intentions, learnings, you know, just the way they develop and the experiences and how they shape them really. And then as I, I don't know, grow older and live in different places, live in Manchester, Norwich. So that's a bit of a cultural contrast. I'm just curious about, I don't know, equality. Cause I'm like, I think psychology in general values curiosity. And I think that's what fascinates me about people who are different. I would have just different experiences in life. And I'm like, I wanna know more about that. Then how can I adapt? And how can that inform me and my privilege and things like that? Um, and then sort of realizing that not everyone has the same type of curiosity towards that, then maybe think, oh, okay, well, I guess we could do a bit more work. <laughs> and that drove me into social sort of equality and just different things. I find it so interesting, not, I guess, in a patronizing way, but to learn about different people's experiences when it comes to ability, age, sexuality, um, gender, um, and exploring some of that on a personal sort of level and reflecting about privileges and marginalization and things like that. And how they can help aid well-being or prejudice and things like that. Um, so yeah, I think for me initially I came from curiosity. I just want to know. <laughs> I'm nosy. <laughs> I want to know. And then it was more towards okay, people are different. Why? Why aren't other people as curious and I don't know, accepting? I guess. Yeah, I think you learn a lot from psychology when you're curious. And isn't that the whole point anyway? No, don't know. <laughs> no, I love that. I think that's a great way of putting it. That's, that's the point, right? Yeah, we should be curious. Why can't people be as curious about, you know, about it? I don't know. I think when you learn about different modalities, you become less curious because you sort of know the path that's supposed to like cure people in theory. But it just doesn't work like that. Therefore, if anything, are we not like scientists? Isn't that a good thing to encounter difference and be like, okay, you know, this is different. Let me be curious, you know? So I just I find it hard to understand why people are not curious when someone is different. That should be a positive thing, you know? Should be a great thing because we're supposed to be a reflective profession, you know? So. Yeah, because if you think about astrology and think about people study you know, um, the environment they study so they can eventually protect us against um, any things that, that can harm us. And it's just, for me, it's like human beings are the enemies. Like, so mm. we should understand how, you know, we are self-destructive. So if we understand ourselves a lot more, mm -hmm. then we can prevent all of this stuff from happening, you know, like all of the injustices, uh, mm -hmm. the inequalities um, that we face, because if we understand what's happening here, then we're able to, I don't know, be at peace with each other or try to find a solution together. Mm -hmm. And I think it's interesting that we've not studied it for long periods of time. I think we have, but it should be the main focus because we as human beings, as you know, in the field of psychology are destructive. Like we think about wars, for example, yeah, things that we are, crime for example you just think to yourself like everybody wants the same thing everybody wants this yeah. you know final destination so why should we not try to work out what's happening so we can prevent from things happening and or, and more importantly find alternative ways um solutions to get to where we want to get to without mm. the need to destruct it destroy each other yeah, yeah definitely yeah the world is <laughs> confusing <laughs> to say the least i guess yeah, yeah. but hey some you know i sat in a clinic one time yeah and so i was talking about this like a few years ago so the patient and the patient said to me they could see i was quite like you know thinking about what what was going on inside the world right? and they said oh don't worry about these things you know they were sort of a lot more older than me um, a lot of like a lot more life life experience and they said to me, do you remember we used to live, we used to, we used to be like gladiators and we used to, you know, put spears through each other. So that's how far we've come. Don't forget about how far we've come as a human beings. You know, this concept of like trying to kill each other, harm each other is not new. Mm -hmm. It's, it's, in, and so we are part of the, and that was interesting. They were not a psychologist 
one like that. There was just a patient picked up on my own, I don't mm. know, anxieties, if you like, and, um, uh, you know, communicated that, in a sense, about human beings. I like that one for the hope and two because you don't have to be a psychologist to be reassuring I guess and just sort of bring you back <laughs> and yeah get, you some, get some hope in you yeah I've come a lot of great people I'm like I'm sure you'd be a good psychologist I want to recruit people <laughs> from different fields because I, I just you can tell you know and I think psychology yeah it's sort of there's a lot of people that have qualities that would be you know make them great psychologists and I guess that patient was one of them you know yeah curiosity I think curiosity um, is what people of science do we want to know cause and effect like what's happening um, and I think you need to be in that mind isn't it mm-hmm. then you can ask like oh so that, that means if I know the answers if I know the cause and effect I'm more likely to no, is it to help this person or help that mm. situation, right? Address that challenge because if I know what's causing it, if I understand the mechanisms, the, the source of the issue, mm. then I'm able to address it. Yeah, which is quite interesting because then if it was that simple. <laughs> yeah. <of course>. Right? <laughs> Probably different factors, right? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I'm just sort of thinking about guess, the clients I've worked with and it's just like not one person has the same story <laughs> and that's yeah. what I came into thinking I'm like okay I'm going into psychology there's all these treatments and things like that and then I try it it doesn't work and then I try it again it doesn't work and then it really humbles you <laughs> so then you have to listen to people yes. and what they find helpful and there's a lot of listening that I think we don't do because we have all these methods of treating people but like it doesn't work like that <laughs> and that's why you have to be attentive and curious and just humble yourself in my opinion um, yeah. I think that's so right. I think absolutely right. You know, right? especially around you're forced to listen because yeah, yeah. I mean, I went to one clinic one time, and um, um, no, I was I was actually observing, so I was just I was in training mode, right? Mm-hmm. And um, the clinician introduced himself to the patient and said, "I'm a specialist, right? Mm-hmm. Like not me, but them, right? Mm-hmm. Hi, my name is so and so. I'm a specialist in the same." Don't you know what the patient said. Mm-hmm what's so special about you oh (laughs) back in the chair and observed it i'm like yeah actually that's that's in in myself that's this is a natural human interaction Mm -hmm. the human being he's not a robot um how does the clinician respond in that sense and obviously i was there thinking to myself like i don't know whether to you know laugh (laughs) because you're still young right you just think to myself is that because the old younger self would find you that funny very funny because it's quite witty at the same time yeah and at the same time then I had a mixture of it's disrespectful because it's been disrespecting the clinician you know but so I I kept going through these emotions what I'm saying I'm thinking what you know I think myself like both are valid here but yeah um it's 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 the it's for me that was the awakening if you like about you know so for me I would now if someone was to make you know a, a you know um, attempted mockery if you like what I'm doing mm. I'd be very interested to know why are they doing that in the first place like I wouldn't I, I was I'd put that to one side about the mockery not take mm-hmm. it personally yeah they've they're doing this or they're communicating this because they're upset about something they're mm. angry about something and I think mm-hmm. as psychologists that's what we should we should try and listen to the tone to what they're really telling us and not to take our face value mm. um so if, if he said to me what's so special about you where does that come from like mm-hmm. i suppose the reason why i'm doing this podcast i'm trying to understand like what is the you know the core of their motivation core of their um their communication why that why that what are they trying to tell me because i'm trying to listen hence why mm. we're doing this podcast right <laughs> i'm trying to find out um what are they telling me? And it's it's weird, isn't it? As much as as much as it is for them, as much as it is for you. Mm-hmm. Like the, I think it's very interesting because I think a lot of people definitely have had bad experiences from services and just different healthcare systems and different professionals. And I think it's it's valid to feel like that 
when you know the system doesn't necessarily work, it's not well funded, things like that. I've had clients like that and I don't blame them for that because the system is very, very flawed. Um, I think like you, I would take it a uh, curious approach, you know, what was your yeah. previous experiences like, you know, um, yeah, yeah. because most times it's very valid. Um, so I do, it is humbling to hear it, <laughs> but I just try to stay with it, stay curious um, and see whether this person is hopefully um, open to trying, trying it again, I guess. Not even trying something new because I can't guarantee that, but trying it again. Um, so, yeah. Um, well, you know, um, before you go, um, thanks for so much for doing the podcast, but if people wanted to get in touch with you um, or find out more about SnapBam, for example, yeah. Um, how should they, I mean, I'll put the details on our podcast, um, you know, when we publish it, but um, is there any specific message about how to get, get in contact? Should they want to get in contact? Yeah, uh, so I'm on uh, Twitter, accidentally act. Uh, I am on LinkedIn, we've seen it done. So uh, SnapBam is on Twitter as well. So it's SnapBam2020. Um, and through that, you can see uh, the link to join our group if you'd like to. Um, yeah, I think that's the best way to reach me on Snapbam, LinkedIn or Twitter. Thanks so much. I'm going to pass you over the microphone. I just want to give you the opportunity, um, like I do with all guests, to share some final thoughts um, for our audience to take away. And once you stop talking, I will stop recording. Uh, I think my advice is to stay different, stay you. Um, there might be, I don't know, encouragement, I guess, for you to stay or want to be like other people. But I think there's a lot, of, a lot of value in being who you are. And it's less tiring, you know. And then when you get to places, you know that people have accepted you the way you are. Um, so, yeah, that's my advice. Stay different. Stay vocal. Um, stay you and have hobbies. That's the main thing. Stay, um, stay you and have hobbies. So that's all from me. Thank you for listening. Available on all podcast platforms. This is the Psychology Cast, the podcast that interviews unique individuals on why they do what they do.